Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Big Big Ten Football Show, Big Bets Edition for Week 5. I am your host, Danny Mogo. You can find me on Twitter at Dan the Big Man, B1G Man, sticking with that theme. Uh, last week, we went 3-3. Three and three. Sorry about that. Lost some juice for you guys. That puts us to at 14 and 8 on the season. Hoping to keep up that clip. This week we got four bets for you. And let's just jump right into it with our big bet of the week. That will be the Nebraska Cornhuskers minus 10.5 against Northwestern. I really like what I saw from Nebraska last week. I can't believe it. Is it possible we could be uh, uh, riding that Nebraska wave? Who knew it? Who knew it, right? You know, the I loved under Nebraska on the season. I took Illinois week zero. But since then, I've liked what I've seen a lot from the Nebraska defense in particular. Um, so I, I'm going to roll with them going into this game, especially against a Northwestern offense that while they were able to put up some points last week against Ohio, 373 yards on the ground, uh, two weeks before that, 209 yards rushing against Indiana State. But can they do that against a solid defense like Nebraska's one who last week, their linebacking core, all four guys were all over the field making plays, stifling MSU's Kenneth Walker III, who rushed for only 61 yards and 3.2 yards per carry. He came into the game last week against Nebraska, averaging 8.6 yards per carry with 493 yards, almost 500 yards through three games, and he didn't even reach half the amount of his yards per carry against this Huskers defense. And why is that so important? Because Northwestern is the most, well, Rutgers is still in the Big Ten, but I still think Northwestern probably still is the most one-dimensional offense in the Big Ten Conference. In his first start for Northwestern, Ryan Halinski threw for 88 yards on 20 passes. That's barely four yards a pass attempt. That is an unacceptable number uh, at this level of football. And that's basically consistently what they've done. They've, they've had unacceptable QB play throughout the season. And now they're going to be taking on a Nebraska team that, yes, is coming off another uh, tough loss. But I'm not sure how Northwestern puts up more than 10 points against this defense. Conversely... Until he threw that costly uh, pick that ended the game in overtime, Adrian Martinez has been playing mostly sound football. He's not going to be perfect, folks. We get that. But he is making fewer mistakes than he has in the past, and I think that will be good enough. I love that we're seeing some of their talented players emerge offensively. Xavier Betts, a redshirt freshman, was a highly touted guy, one of the more highly touted prospects that Scott Frost has brought in. He is emerging as their top weapons. Um, offensively, I really love what I saw from their tight ends last week. Austin Allen, who I think is like 6'8", uh, Travis Vokalek, 
who is another ginormous target at 6'6", 260 pounds. These guys are long and strong, and they're finally healthy. Neither one is on the injury report for the first time in a few weeks. So I think I'm going to roll with the Huskers. And obviously, this is as much of a fade on Northwestern as it is rolling with the Huskers. I just think Nebraska wins this one easily as Northwestern struggles, really struggles, to put points up on the board against what is an underrated Nebraska defense. That is our one big bet for this week. Last week, our big bets were 1-1 one and one. on the season. They are 5-4. and four. Uh, Northwestern did beat us last week against Ohio, but I think this is a different caliber of opponent. All right, let's move on to our bigger bets. Last week, 2-1 and one with our bigger bets. 6-3 and three on the season overall, and I got two for you here. And we're going to hail to the victors yet again. I know I got burned last week with Michigan, but they've done me well for the first three weeks of the season. And let's be honest, heading into the locker room, it looked like, uh, you know, I hope you guys didn't stop watching the game thinking you had a winner in hand. But I, if you did, I can understand why you felt that. It was 20-3 to going into the locker room. It looked like Michigan was going to roll to another blowout victory. Should have been really 24-3. to because on the last play from scrimmage, which was a second down, second and goal from inside the five-yard line, little play action, two wide-open tight ends, one at the goal line, one in the end zone, quarterback just missed him, Cade McNamara, only five seconds left on the clock, so on third down, Michigan kicked the field goal, should have been 24, and then the second half, I really don't know what happened, I cannot explain it, if I know people out there, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, Greg Schiano, great coach, and yes, he is an excellent coach. Halftime adjustment, I think that's just way, way too simplistic. If if it was that easy, if it was that easy for Rutgers to make a, an adjustment, well, why weren't they running the ball that way all season long? This wasn't, this wasn't just, oh, Rutgers played better in the second half against Michigan. No, no, no. Rutgers played better in the second half against Michigan than they did against Temple offensively in terms of moving the ball. Um, you know, they didn't create turnovers defensively, but the way they moved the ball better than Syracuse. So unless I'm suddenly to believe that Rutgers offense is is capable of making, you know, Michigan look that way or Michigan's defense is worse than Syracuse or Temple, it kind of felt like maybe Michigan took the foot off the gas and Rutgers is not the team you're going to do that against. So I think this week Michigan will be fully focused. I don't think that that'll be a problem. When you talk about uh, the Wisconsin Badgers and Michigan, these are definitely two teams that want to run the football. And so far, one team has done that, except for that one bad half. I mean, they've played four full games, so we're talking 12% of the season. I'm not going to jump off the Michigan bandwagon for that small of a sample Blake Corum is still a, a potential superstar, averaging 6.9 yards per carry. Hassan Haskins is a, a powerful in-between-the-tackles runner, 5.3 yards per carry. The offensive line is playing well. While they were not dominant last week, they also did not allow any negative plays uh, in the running game uh, from Rutgers, and that's where Rutgers is at their best penetrating, making plays in the backfield. So I think even in a bad performance, we had a good sign. And I know Wisconsin's run defense has been excellent. But folks, let's keep in mind that Carrion Williams of Notre Dame is averaging 3.8 yards per carry 
on the season. That Notre Dame offensive line is horrendous. That was the only thing that gave us pause in taking the Irish last week against Wisconsin and getting points, right? And then also week one, Penn State's Noah Kane. He's only averaging 3.4 yards per carry on the season. So they're shutting down offenses and big name running backs, but not big game running backs, big name running backs, excuse me, that are having good seasons. These guys are not successfully running the ball against anyone. So Michigan is the most proven, most productive rushing offense that Wisconsin will have played to date. Uh, You can say both teams have questions at quarterback. You can say it, but, and it's true with Michigan. This is the one knock against Michigan is they do still have a young quarterback who they haven't thrown much. His attempts are super low compared to the rest of the Big Ten. I believe only the triple option teams have thrown the ball less times than Michigan. He's going on the road for basically the first time in his career with fans in the stands. So these are definitely question marks. And folks, you know, I'm going to let you, I'm going to do a little dance planning for you here. I can make a case for either side in any game. I can make a sound case. There's always a case for both sides, right? So the, those are there. The, that is a legit knock against Michigan, and why some might like Wisconsin. I understand that. But my question is, do we really not know who Graham Mertz is? Because since he threw two touchdowns to no interceptions in the first two games of his career, Mertz now has thrown two TD passes to 11 INTs since then. He's played five games against ranked teams so far. In those five games, that's where he threw all 11 of his interceptions to only one touchdown pass. So, Graham Mertz right now has yet to show us he can do anything against a quality team. I still believe Michigan is a very good team. I still have a lot of question marks about Wisconsin overall. Give me the points. Michigan plus two and a half against the Badgers. Hey, you might get three if you wait. Who knows? Uh, I see it's uh, two and a half. Was on DraftKings. Now it's two and a half on DraftKings and FanDuel. So you may want to wait and see if you could get the three. But I'm rolling with them at the two and a half right now. Probably like them to win outright as well. We have one more bigger bet, and we're going to stay in the Mitten State, except we're going to go with Western Kentucky plus 11 at Michigan State in East Lansing. Now, I, this is going to be the third week in a row I'm picking against Michigan State, and I may continue to fade them for a minute if, uh, if I get, keep getting rewarded. I think um, while I think they got some breaks against uh, Miami, Last week, they also got breaks, and they still didn't cover. They barely won. Those breaks allowed them to win the game. The, uh, if, if you want to talk about Michigan's struggles in the second half against Rutgers, they were nothing compared to Michigan State against Nebraska. They, they did not get any first downs in the second half. We're trailing by seven, an awful punt uh, that was like a line drive away from the coverage to Michigan State's best punt returner. Unreal. It was almost as if he... It was almost as if Scott Frost himself handed the ball off to Reed and said, run this back for a touchdown so you could tie the game because I know your offense can't move the ball. So this is a different scenario, though, right? Michigan State last week, home, a favorite. This week, again, home, a favorite. 
the last 14 times Michigan State has played at home as a favorite, they've failed to cover 13. So it's starting to feel like regardless of the coach, this is like a Mike D'Antonio thing, right? Uh, It's starting to feel like regardless who the coach is, uh, Sparty is that live dog that loves that role to, you know, count me out. Let me make the let me make this game ugly against that that prettier team that has better players, higher you know more higher star recruits, more NFL prospects. We're gonna make it an ugly, sloppy, rock fight of a game. But when they're the favorite, when the other team is the one that maybe wants to ugly it up or or has a chip on their shoulder, Sparty doesn't seem to respond the same way. And uh, last week, Western Kentucky beat us. I kind of hate to do that. I hate to have a team beat me and then jump on them the following week. Um, uh, as one of my uncles once uh, told me, if you're not there for the wedding, don't be there for the funeral. So last week was a celebration if you bet Western Kentucky. This week is to be decided. So it's a risk, and I kind of hate doing it. But from watching that game against Indiana, I did learn a few things. I think one of them it was dumb to bet Indiana on the road, laying nine points. Uh, if I could, you know, if I could uh, redo a lot of bets, I might still take Michigan against Rutgers. I might still take Ohio against Northwestern. I don't know. I definitely would not take Indiana against Western Kentucky. Uh, I think, you know, it's a statement about both programs, right? So let's focus on Western Kentucky for now, though, because that's what we're talking about, them taking on the Spartans this Saturday. They, they have a good offense. They really do. They have uh, a really good offense. Their quarterback, uh, Bailey Zappi, threw for 365 yards uh, on the ground. They rushed for 4.7 yards per carry. And he did a good job against what I think is still a solid uh, Michigan, uh, Indiana, excuse me, Indiana secondary. Uh, Taiwan Mullen also in that game was one of the high, he, he kind of had a rough year uh, for the first two or three games. Who the guy who's considered Indiana's best player overall, probably on either side of the ball. He had a bounce back week, and even with that bounce back week, they still move the ball through the air against the Hoosiers. I think the Hoosiers have a better secondary than Michigan State does. And I also think the fact that this was a close game, the fact that Western Kentucky could taste the victory against a Big Ten school. Uh, prove to themselves that they could hang with a Big Ten school, a team that was ranked going into the season. Now they're taking on a team that is ranked. I think that gives them the confidence that, hey, we belong on the, if we belong on the field with Indiana, we belong on the field with Michigan State. So I think it can only help their confidence and increase their hunger for a big win against a Big Ten team, a Power Five program. Those are our two Bigger bets of the week, Western Kentucky plus 11, uh, Michigan plus the two. And then finally, our biggest bet, uh, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. Ohio State minus 15 at Rutgers. I, I, I did the math. I did the tabulations. I am 14 and 8 on the season. If I never picked against Rutgers, I will be 14 and 5. My winning percentage would jump from 64%. To 74%. I'm going to do it though. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, this is what a better does. You don't scared money. Don't make no money. You can't be scared. You can't be worried about a team beating you again. You got to take each week for what it is. 
They beat me those three times. Maybe those bets were not good bets. Doesn't mean this week isn't going to be a good one. So I'm going to roll again with Ohio State going against Rutgers. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, that second half is maybe too much is being made of it. As I mentioned before, I think the halftime adjustment concept is too simplistic. If Rutgers really is that good, they might be a top 10 team. And you know what? I know they are not a top 10 team. So if anything, that result, that score, that second half has caught the attention of the Buckeyes. And all the problems we talked about for Rutgers going into last week's game that came through in the first half against Michigan didn't magically get fixed. Those issues still exist. Their quarterback still cannot, will not throw the ball more than five to ten yards, five yards down the field, basically. All their completions were five to seven, eight yards in front of a DB who gave a little bit of a cushion, nothing after the catch because they, they're just so conservative. And, you know, as great as it was that second half, they scored 10 points. That's all they did. Rutgers scored 13 points in the game, 10 points in the second half, right? Um, the Wolverines, in my opinion, seem to play into Greg Schiano's hand by forcing runs between the tackles. Um, it, it was a rock fight, and that's what, I guess to some extent, that's what Harbaugh wanted. Maybe he miscalculated. Maybe they're saving stuff because they know they have Wisconsin coming up. Who knows? But from Rutgers' perspective, they definitely want a, a rock fight. They're not going to get into a rock fight against Ohio State. Ohio State is, is a track meet. They're bringing thoroughbreds to Piscataway. True freshman running back, Trevion Henderson. Have you watched this kid run? He might be the best running back in college football already as a true freshman. He's not even halfway through his first season, and I'm already putting him at that level. I think he might be at that level. When they throw the ball, you have future NFL pass catchers, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith-Najigba. Learn those names. If you don't know them already, learn those names because you're going to be seeing them playing for years on Sundays. So the couple times when Michigan did throw the ball in the first half and was successful, hit guys in stride, they made big plays. And these receivers are better and faster and more athletic and more explosive than Michigan's receivers. So I expect Rutgers will have no trouble putting up 40-plus, 50 points against this Rutgers team. Under Ryan Day, they have been very good on the road. 8-0 overall, 6-1-1 against the spread. Their smallest margin of victory was last season on the road, a 13-point win against Penn State. Um, In all seven meetings, uh, since Rutgers joined the Big Ten between these two schools, um, Rutgers is uh, 0-7. They've lost all those games. And I was surprised to learn that they hadn't played before that. But not only are they 0-7, the closest margin of victory was 48-27, to a 21-point margin of victory. The last time they played in Piscataway, folks, this was just two years ago. Two years ago. You know what the line was? 52 points. Take take it in. Take it in. I'm giving you a second to take it in. 52 freaking points. And I know Greg Schiano is a fantastic coach. 
This was a home run hire for Rutgers. They are lights better than they were under the previous regime, under Chris Ash. They are day and night better. They are so much better. It's, it's, you, you can't even measure it, how much better they are. But 52 points to 15, even if Ohio State is having, quote-unquote, a down season for them. I, I, I don't see the gap being closed that much by Rutgers in just two years. They are more competent. They are much better coached. They play harder. They believe in themselves more. They, they are in the right positions. But the talent level hasn't changed. The talent level, the gap is as big as it ever was. So I think I would be very, very surprised if Ohio State doesn't win this game by at least 20 points. And if it ends up being, you know, like 55 to 13, that would not surprise me either. Because if Rutgers falls behind and feels like they need to throw the ball, then then things could get really ugly uh, in, in this game in Piscataway. All right, folks, those are your four picks, your four big bets for this week, week five in the Big Ten. To recap, our big bet, Nebraska minus 10.5 at home against Northwestern. The Huskers get a much-needed win to get back to 500. Our bigger bets, we got two of them. Michigan plus the two in Madison. Jim Harbaugh gets that win. Graham Mertz continues to struggle against ranked opponents. Western Kentucky plus 11 at Michigan State. A very live dog, a a team you may want to consider maybe even to sprinkle a little money line on. You got some very favorable odds if you do. So Western Kentucky plus the 11. I think they're going to make it a game. And then finally, our biggest bet. Uh, we lost it last week against Rutgers. Rutgers beat us. We're 3-1 three and, three and one on the season for our biggest bets. And it's going to be Ohio State laying the 15 against Rutgers. Now, there are some other games in the Big Ten. If you want to keep listening, I'll, I'll you know talk about them a little bit just so you can have a feel for them. Um, Iowa is laying, I believe, three now against Maryland. Um, We have strength versus strength here. I am a big believer in the Iowa defense. I think they are legit. I think it is a top 10 defense on a different offense. With a different offense, this could be a defense that's good enough for a team to finish in the top 10. The thing is, I don't believe Iowa has that. On the flip side, Maryland, you have a team that is under the radar playing some good, consistent football. Um, I think they're starting to get over their hump in terms of not reaching uh, their potential, which has been an issue with them in the past. They've always recruited well. Talent has rarely been the issue uh, with the Terps. And they're finally starting to play to the talent level. They're finally starting to play like a borderline top 25 team, which is how they've recruited, believe it or not, for a lot of these years that they've struggled to get into a bowl game. Uh, Tulia Tagliavoa, could he be, could he be the Tagliavoa who makes a Heisman run, who wins a Heisman trophy, I should say. I mean, he's having that kind of year. Um, This is not hyperbole. He's been that good. And this is the type of game that could vault him forward if he, if he scorches an Iowa defense and secondary that has been very good. Uh, Maryland's offensive line is getting better. At the end of the day, I uh, you know it's still hard for me 
to pull the trigger because this is a big, big, big test. Listen, it's one thing to come from behind against Illinois. It's another team to smack around, you know, it's another thing to smack around a Mac school, but Iowa is a legit real test. Illinois is playing Charlotte. I was tempted a little bit with Illinois. Um, finally, finally getting true freshman Josh McCray the ball more from week one. We saw this guy look like their most uh, a productive offensive player. Last week, he broke eight tackles versus Purdue and uh, almost led them to an upset. He should be able to do the most, uh, you know, as much as he did last week or better against Charlotte. At the end of the day, though, that Illinois pass defense, so shaky, way, way too shaky, not fully healthy either. When you talk about Devon Witherspoon, probably their best cornerback um, out for this game. At least they expect to get Jake Hansen back. Uh, but not having Witherspoon concerns me because the pass defense wasn't great to begin with. I was tempted to go with Minnesota against Purdue to have them bounce back again after an inexplicable loss last week to Bowling Green. They were almost upset by a Miami, Ohio. They bounced back the next week and rewarded us our biggest bet with a 30 to nothing win over Colorado. I'm sorry uh, to my buddy Ross. This will be the last time you will have to listen to a Big Ten podcast and hear about that 30 to nothing loss that your Buffaloes suffered at the hands of these Golden Gophers. But I'm not sure they're just that really could have been a lot about Colorado and their lack of of quarterback play. They, you know, they had a kid transfer out, they had a kid get hurt. That was part of the reason why we really liked Minnesota. And Minnesota, do I really should I really expect that Cat Tanner Morgan will just bounce back? The offensive line hasn't played as well as I thought they would this season. They've been kind of a, of a disappointment so far this year. Uh, and the reason I I'm can't take Purdue is too many guys are banged up. Uh, Xander Horvath is out. King Doru, his backup, who stepped up to the starting role, he did not play last week. He has a, a medical issue that the coaching staff is not revealing. His status is seems like unlikely, but not totally known. Corey Trice appears to be still out. He is uh, their, their best cover guy. Um, you have David Bell, who's still coming off concussion protocol. We don't know if he's going to play. He's one of three guys for Purdue coming off concussion uh, protocol, including tight end Payne Durham, who is the unlikeliest of the three to play, as well as Branson Dean, who's been uh, arguably their most productive defensive tackle. So I think as much as I don't like Minnesota and, and, and have my doubts about them and am and, and, and disappointed with what I've seen from the Gophers so far this season – Purdue might be just too banged up, so I'm not going to take that game. And finally, we have Penn State wrapping up the night, uh, 13 points uh, favorite against Indiana. I believe this opened at 9. It was 10.5 for most of Monday, Tuesday, and then all of a sudden, boom, 10.5 went to 13. Um, I'm not sure exactly why everyone loves Penn State. This is a team that I still am unimpressed with their uh, willingness to throw the ball down the field, even with a receiver like Jahan Dotson against um, the better defenses. They'll they'll do it against a Mac school, but will they do it against Indiana and their solid secondary? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, obviously, their wins over Auburn and Wisconsin 
are looking less impressive because neither one of those teams looked any good at all last week. Why aren't I jumping on the points then? I, you know, Michael Penix against a good defense, that's why. That's why. That concerns me. That concerns me that, you know, his interceptions could let the game get away. Um, it, it allowed um, Iowa to win by more points than they should have. It allowed Cincinnati to turn a seven-point lead to a 14-point lead, which didn't affect the point spread that day. But if that happens against Penn State at 13, you know, it could it could be a game that's back and forth, seven-point game, you're feeling good, what a great pick with Indiana, and all of a sudden, boom, pick, pick six, or a pick brings it back to the 10, and 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 you and you lose the bet, you know, with a with a with a backdoor uh loss in terms of the point spread. So that that's that's why I'm passing on those games. Um, obviously, you know, you guys can do what you want to do, but those four games are passes for me, and I gave you the four that I like. Uh, thanks again for joining us and listening. We are finally on iTunes, so you can check us out on Apple. Look for the Big Big Ten Football Show. You can look for the link on my Twitter handle, Dan the Big Man. Have a good weekend. Make some money.